0: Blog Talk Radio. The top sports the Monday edition I am here with Big Mike and we will be without Robbie D today because he is at the Islander game in the Barclays Center how long that place will be their home we don't know how long John Tavares will be in that uniform we don't know but here we are we are here for you Rob is in the Barclays Center they actually watch they're actually leading right now the Islanders won nothing so maybe he'll walk home a happy man but we will see where John Tavares will be and where the Islanders will be playing is still a big mystery Big Mike here, and Vinny the Shark here. we had an awesome week 14 of the NFL, a couple of huge storylines going on as they approach the end of the season. Big Mike, how are you feeling? Awesome, Vinny. Ready to go, man. All right. We're ready to go as well. Let's get right into the big news and a big game over here of we Carson Wentz and the Philadelphia Eagles. They clinched their division, but they're going to be without their quarterback because he tours ACL in this game, Mike. Yeah, it's devastating, Vinny. It really was. And it didn't look uh, that bad when it happened. Uh, diving into the end zone, he got hit in the leg. He stayed in for four plays. He threw a touchdown to Alshon Jeffrey uh, after tearing his ACL. Uh, it's devastating. He's 11-2 this year, 25 years old, completion percentage, 60%, 33 touchdowns, seven interceptions, and he's got the second-best QBR um, in the league, only to Deshaun Watson, who also tore his ACL. And he's also rushed for 299 yards. This is a huge loss. Uh, Nick Foles can't carry, I mean, this Eagle fans on Twitter yesterday telling us, Vinny, that Nick Foles is going to be fine and carry this team in the playoffs. I mean, what are they thinking here? I don't know. I don't know how uh, serviceable Nick Foles is going to be, but one thing's for sure, he's not going to be Carson Wentz, because this guy was on an MVP pace all season long, and now they're going to be without him. And the fact that he tore his ACL, that was actually the biggest play of the game. Nonetheless, his injury, but he played three snaps after that, including a fourth down touchdown, which was crucial because um, they were down 28-24 at the time. At the time, Peterson sends them out there. I was like, how do you not take the points here on right. the road? And then instead of it being 28-24, 28-27, the fourth down touchdown makes it 31-28. Then they pull them out of the game. The Rams scored after that, so it was a really big deal getting those points before the next field goal over there. This is a back-and-forth game, and the Rams don't get it done again. Uh, they're 9-4, and four, though. The Eagles clinch their division at 11-2. Uh, does this help them? Well, it's not going to help them. Do they still get the bye, even without Wentz? I think so. I, I think they probably managed uh, managed to get that done. That Ajayi trade now looks huge because now they have three running backs they can rely on: Ajayi, Clement, and Legarrette Blunt. Clement has almost come out of nowhere as a really nice passing back, uh, passing back guy. And uh, listen, Brian Westbrook, former Eagle running back, he shared the same thing with you. He's tweeting, "Take the points, take the points," and then they're able to get the touchdown. He's like, "All right, that kind of worked out also." So. Uh, just an awesome game. And I look. I learned a lot from the Rams. I really did. They hung in there. The Eagles are a first place team and the Rams hung in there. And it looked for a little while there that they were going to pull this game out. Uh, just you know, the injuries that they suffered, the penalties, Vinny, uh, a lot of 15 yard penalties. Some justified uh, one the, on the kick that I just didn't even see. I, I still didn't know where that penalty was being called from. But um, listen, they're a young team. And I think that that is going to be something that, uh, you know, next season, uh, you know, it starts to develop that maturity. Yes. Well, uh, and the two young quarterbacks here. i have been talking about these guys for a long time. Gotham Wentz. Wentz still gets the upper hand here despite his injury. The Eagles come out on top. They are 11-2. and They are top of the NFC. They clinched their division. They uh, have a two-game lead over the Rams now with three games left to play. So I like their chances at a bye. You'd have to imagine that. Minnesota. We'll get into them later. We'll get into the rest of the week at later. It was an awesome week 14. I think it was the best week of the NFL. But before we get into the week, we want to talk about tonight's game, Monday Night Football, New England Patriots at the Miami Dolphins, Tom Brady versus Jay Cutler. Very different career paths for these guys. And uh, one's going to the Hall of Fame. One was going to the booth and drinking beers and burgers. Uh, but now they're going at it. And Miami is notorious for playing a pretty good game at home against New England. Is that going to be the case tonight? No, I don't think so. Listen, this is just a, uh, I think it's a Miami team that, listen, I think they played for something last week with uh, Adam Gase in Denver. I think that was more of what you saw. I think Tom Brady goes in there, and I think they put up 40 points, I think, it, and eventually ends up as a blowout. Sometimes New England starts slow, and it's that, you know, second-half bet for New England, and, uh, and then they start pulling away, and that's what I think you see here. You have no Gronk. Chris Hogan is back. Chris Hogan won't be limited, I've read. Uh, You know, Amendola is notorious for games without Gronkowski, seeing extra targets. I would expect eight targets, eight catches even from Amendola tonight. Uh, As far as the Dolphins side goes, Jarvis Landry, usually a big night. Belichick likes to double him. He's still going to get his. And Kenyon Drake, Williams is out again, Vinny. Kenyon Drake and those Jay Cutler uh, checkdowns, I expect a big night from Kenyon Drake. And he had a big night uh, last week, and you expect to see that again. They're going to be down, so he should be getting a lot of those checkdowns, I agree. I think there's no way the Dolphins stay in this game. I just can't see Jay Cutler putting up the kind of points Tom Brady can. Gronkless tonight, that's no problem. The Patriots have won plenty of games. They actually have a pretty impressive record without Gronkowski in there. It's good to see Chris Hogan back. He uh, failed me in my fantasy team because he hasn't played the last couple weeks. I really could have used him. But he's back tonight, and that's going to be a good bonus for the Patriots. I like the Patriots to win by at least 14 points tonight on the road. And uh, especially with the Steelers winning, you know the Pats got to win. to stay right up there with them. And I guess let's get right into week 14 now, Rob. uh, Mike, sorry, Rob is not here. But uh, let's start with uh, probably the most fun game of the day. Let's start with that snowball over there. Uh, Bills Colts, um, it was a really, really fun game. And it came down to the wire, went to overtime where LaShawn McCoy had a rushing touchdown to steal the deal. Uh, 13-7, overtime victory for the Buffalo Bills. Adam Vinatieri, something interesting (laughs) about this. He was 11-for-21 career in Buffalo in this game and it got down to the wire here in the fourth quarter. The Colts finally scored a touchdown. They go for two. They convert, but there was offensive pass interference on the play. Penalty? I didn't think it was a penalty. It was a pick play. Those things are a little tricky. You see them a lot. It's uh, hard for me to say it was a penalty or not. It's a tough leg to throw, I guess. But uh, I love the move for Pagano going for it in the game like I that, with especially you. the kicking situation. So that brings up Vinatieri with his worst field goal percentage ever in the stadium of Buffalo in this storm, and he bangs out a 43-yard <laughs> extra point. He did miss a field goal earlier in the game. He did miss one in overtime. And uh, Joe Webb actually had to come in for Nathan Peterman in this game. He threw a crucial pick where Vinatieri could have prevented the game from going into OT. But just a fun game. That's what football is all about. It reminds you of a kid out there when you used to go out there and play football in the snow. It was great to see these guys out there. It's so funny seeing LaShawn McCoy not run as fast as he normally did. (laughs) But uh, really, really fun game. What was your take on this? I thought it was awesome. I really did. And uh, just to speak on your point, the Vinatieri kick was great. They call a timeout for the extra point. And you have the two water guys out there, uh, you know, that usually get the players water. They're trying to clear the snow. The refs are yelling at them that they can't be out there to mm-hmm. clear the snow. You have the whole uh, kicking special team, uh, you know, the kicking team out there. They're trying to clear the snow. Vittatari kicks it. It looks like it's going wide. And it starts coming back in. Uh, just a weird spin to it. It was just awesome. You didn't want the game to end. It was great that it went to overtime. We got a little extra football. And, I mean, Shady, a career high, I think 32 carries just uh, breaking off that run at the end. And listen, there were a ton of fans there. I I give them credit. You know, like Mabllo says, they put their fans through tables. Well, they sat through a blizzard yesterday too, Vinny, and they watched the game, and uh, just awesome. If they're going to jump through burning tables, I don't see why they wouldn't go to a blizzard game. (laughs) And they got they did, because that's a great experience. That's a game you can remember for a long time out there. It was a really fun game to watch. The Bills got it done, and the Bills...
1: Are, in are the six seed yes, in sir. the AFC again.
0: Yes, sir. So just when you ruled them out with Nate Peterman as the quarterback, they are right there in the mix of it. If the season ended right now, the Bills would be your sixth seed in the wild card in the AFC. And they would be at Jacksonville. And that uh, Jacksonville looks pretty good. We will get into them later because we know a lot of shenanigans went on in that <laughs> game. And I'm sure you have a lot to say about <laughs> that. We'll get to that at the four o'clock slate, one o'clock slate back to it. bears Bengals. not much of a great game here. But what my take of it, Andy Dalton, the Bengals- Really a big letdown here at home. Now they're officially eliminated from the playoffs. Trubisky looked pretty good as his Your best boy. game. Yeah. Best game as a pro. Especially and on the road. Um, A.J. McCarron, we saw a little sighting of him. Is this the end of Andy Dalton and Marvin Lewis in Cincinnati? I think it is. And I think Marvin Lewis is long overdue. This is a team that, uh, as long as you make the playoffs, it's become acceptable there. And he's been long overdue to, you know, be fired. And I think yesterday takes the cake. This is not a good Bears team. That put up 482 total yards. Manny Howard had a field day with 23 carries, 147 yards, two touchdowns. Um, listen, even A.J. Green. A.J. Green, I don't know if you saw the fumble. Uh, just standing on the sidelines uh, as if, like, you know, it was two-hand touch and he was out and he was down. And the Bears player ripped the ball out of his hand. No effort. No, I mean, just looks like the team quit, to be honest with you. And I hate to use that term. I really do. Uh, Gio Bernard had a nice day, but he, you know, when Gio Bernard is leading the team the receiving, maybe that's a problem. No, uh, nothing downfield. The Bears' defense looked pretty good. Only seven points, and it came early for the Bengals. They were shut out in the last three quarters. Mitch Trubisky, shout out to you. Great game. Keep it up, kid. I'm pulling for you. Nothing but the best. But what I'm a little disappointed, I, I agree with you. I think Marvin Lewis is done. Dalton, I don't know. I think he's a good quarterback still. And if he's done in Cincinnati, he's got to go somewhere because he can play for a lot of these oh, teams. Oh, he'll get a job. Don't sure. have oh, yeah. Uh, Marvin Lewis is definitely out and it's a shame because nothing is more fun than betting against the Cincinnati Bengals <laughs> in the first round of the playoffs and they're not going to be making it this year so you can't poke fun of them never advancing. Let's go to the next game where for some reason everybody loved these Cleveland Browns as a three-point underdog at home. I had in uh, and- the confidence pick. <laughs> yeah, that. a lot I of people are on it. these Browns thinking they might get their first win. This is the time to do it. Not the case here. <laughs> the Green Bay Packers win in overtime and the Browns had a 14-point lead in the fourth quarter, Mike, and they couldn't hold it as Green Bay gets the job done, Hundley throwing a uh, third and five pass to Devontae Adams. He, they were in field goal range already. They could have kicked it any time. Instead, they get the touchdown, and that's just Browns being Browns because they couldn't even cover the damn spread. I love the term, Vinny, Browns being Browns, because that's exactly what it is. If there's a way to lose the game, the Browns will find a way to lose the game, and they will lose the game. I love the play call there, actually, by Mike McCarthy. On the, you know, you're already in field goal range, like you said. Uh, I'm sure you saw it, Kaiser, with that throw that's why they got it to field goal range <laughs> literally just heaving up a rainbow into the sky uh in overtime where you can't have that I love the play call I love being aggressive and listen Rob's been on it uh from the beginning our Rodgers is coming back and listen with Wentz being out they have a legit shot now Vinny as long as they get in I mean you can't bet against them that is very interesting because I didn't think they were going to get to this point where I thought even if Rodgers came back there's nothing he could do That might not be the case here, Uh, but I want to get back to that Deshaun Kaiser throw real quick, because I hate Notre Dame. That is the last thing any quarterback could ever do, and I think Russell Wilson does it a lot, but he gets away with it. He has the the magic touch, apparently. You cannot just throw up your back foot blindly down the middle of the field and just expect something good to happen. Uh, Interception, Kaiser still sucks. The Browns still suck today. Are they going to win a game? No, I I think it's over now. I think that was their best chance, and listen – uh, let you know. I, let's try and uh, be a little uh, half a glass half full, Vinny. <laughs> Crowell, nice game. Nineteen carries, 121 yards. Josh Gordon haven't hasn't played since what 2014. Three catches, 69 yards and a touchdown. Corey Coleman had a touchdown. Kaiser, I believe, started like 10 for 12. He looked awesome. Duke Johnson had a touchdown. They the playmakers made plays, Vinny, and like you said, up 14 in the fourth at home. And you haven't won a game. You can't lose that game. Nope, they had that. We have a caller right now. We'll take you in right now. This is Over the Top Sports. What's your name and what you got to say? Uh, good evening. This is Lou from Jersey. Hey, Lou. What's going on? You're all right. It's been a very, it's been a very interesting week in the sports world heading into the holiday season. <laughs> and yeah. my Yankees made my Yankees made a killing. <laughs> they sure did, Giancarlo, baby. Welcome to the Bronx. Big time signing yeah. press conference today. It was good to see him in pinstripes. Mhm. The only official today. Yes, it was official. You saw him in uniform. Uh, anything else you got to say here? Well, because, you know, I think they only did because they didn't, they didn't get the uh, Japanese pitcher. So, I guess they figured that was their next move. Well, if we can't get one, we got to go after the other. And what a steal it was. They didn't give up any of their top prospects. And uh, just on Castro, a lot of people are not happy with Derek Jeter because he's still helping the Yanks. I know Big Mike's not too thrilled with this deal. We'll get back into Giancarlo a little later. Thank you for the call. Thanks. All right, and then uh, oh, we got another caller. Go right into it. Put him right through. Probably a Browns fan. Hey, hey how's it going? going with thanks for calling. You're on live with uh, Vinny and Big Mike. Hey, guys. Uh, I got a question. Uh, one uh, Full-point PPR, I'm down 16 points. Should I start Hogan tonight or should I start Drake tonight? Oh, no, it's Drake. It's absolutely Drake, and I bet you he gets that 16. Jay Cutler loves the check downs, and I definitely, in a full PPR, I think Drake uh, will get you that 16. All right. Appreciate it, guys. Later. Good luck, man. Thank you for calling. Thank you. We appreciate the call. As always, fantasy football advice. Big Mike is the kingpin of that. He is very, very worthy. He takes care of all you guys on Twitter. Send your questions at Twitter, Facebook Live, and or just call right in on the show and get right down to business. We like it like that. Now, a game we're going to play a couple of uh, times throughout the night here, Mike, is the next schedules of these guys coming up here. Let's go back to Green Bay and the Browns real quick. Yep. We'll start with the Browns since they <laughs> suck. This is more of, are they going to win a football game or not? Next three games, you got versus Baltimore, at Chicago, at Pittsburgh. Are they 0-16? The Chicago game is interesting. The other two are losses. Division rivals, they're going to get it done against the Browns. Yeah, you're probably right. This, <laughs> is a, uh, this is a winless season, <laughs> and uh, I will shamefully admit that I was on over four and a half wins <laughs> for the Browns before uh, the season started. Yes, and we have to keep giving you uh (laughs) keep giving you some crap for that. It's deserved. And next three now for the Green Bay Packers, who are getting Aaron Rodgers back next week after a broken collarbone. Seven and six in the NFC, which is very tight with a lot of good teams up there. They got at Carolina versus Minnesota and at Detroit. Really tough schedule. I think you could pencil in the Detroit game, who always plays them tough. That's the only sure win, Vinny. Um but listen, with Aaron Rodgers, you can win any game. You really can. So it'll be interesting to see. Mike McCarthy today was non committal. Um, but if you watch the pregame, Aaron Rodgers was catching touchdown passes and spinning the ball with Jordy Nelson. Listen, he's coming back this week. I'd be very surprised if he didn't. And with Aaron Rodgers, you can win any game. But the question also remains with how good the NFC is is 10 and 6 enough to get this team in? And, and uh, I'm, if I'm a Viking fan, I'm not happy because this is probably the year they could have beat the Packers down late and they're. Packers are used to handing it to the Vikings over here, and the Vikings after a tough loss. We'll get into that game later. Uh, it's going to be pretty interesting with Aaron Rodgers back in the mix. Brett Humley did a pretty good job. He coming did. He in really there. did. I did not see him going 7-6. I agree with you. So uh, hats off to him. The next game we'll get into, it's the Raiders and the Chiefs. Kansas City, my boy LJ. Your team finally got a W over here. It's about damn time. And the Chiefs look like the Chiefs of old, like we saw in the beginning of the year. They, we saw defense. and they Kareem Hunt rushed for over 100 yards. Time. Uh, two interceptions and a fumble recovery for the Chiefs. They get the job done at home against a division rival in an absolute must game, snapping their big skid. What's your whole take out of this game? Uh, one question I got to ask you, are the Chiefs back or do the Raiders suck? But yeah, we can't always be a, a glass half full, Vinny. The Raiders suck. And uh, it's bad. Car threw for, where is it, uh, 211 yards. The team managed only 268 yards. They're not good uh, offensively, defensively. I mentioned that on Saturday, they barely beat a giant team that got blown out yesterday. We'll get into that a little bit later. But uh, the Raiders really are not a very good team. The Chiefs, it'll be interesting to see. Uh, that could be a, a confidence builder. what you saw yesterday. It was nice that Kareem Hunt got into it. Kelsey, I think, had 7-70. Seven and 70. Hill had a, a few long catches. Um, no Marcus Peters also. You would have thought the Raiders would have been able to expose that a little bit more, and they didn't. So, um, I'm not sure if it's as much uh, the Raiders are back as it is uh, – I'm sorry, the Chiefs are back as it is the Raiders suck. And as much as I'd like to give the Chiefs some uh, compliments here, they were up 26 nothing, and the Raiders got two nothing touchdowns at the end. This is more of the Raiders sucking to me. I agree. I think they're officially done with the AFC West now, and they really just haven't looked good. Even in their six wins, they really haven't looked too good in most of them. So, the Raiders – Say they suck more, and the Chiefs still got to show me a little more, and maybe some consistency. Uh, Alex uh, Smith wasn't all that great, 20 for 34, 268 in a pick, but it wasn't necessary. They got Kareem Hunt the ball to give him 25 carries, got the job done at home. Kansas City's next game is against the L.A. Chargers, and that's going to be an interesting game. Back-to-back back huge AFC West showdowns for the Chiefs. That's something to look forward to this Sunday, and we'll get into our next game here. It is the Detroit Lions and the Tampa Bay Bucks. Not too much to take in this game, but Matt Stafford was pretty good playing with a broken hand. Yeah. Um, another game winning drive, his fourth game winning drive of the season. Like I say all the time, this guy always seems to have the ball when that matters most. The Lions come up big with a Matt Prater field goal. They win 24 21. What you got in this game, Mike? Uh, a lot of offense, Vinny. 434 total yards for the Lions, 400 for the Bucs. Detroit will be ran. 53 yards. I mean, they have to get this guy a running back. I know, listen, Doug Martin will be a free agent at the end of the year. I'm sure a bunch of other running backs will be uh, available. You have to bring somebody in. You have to give Stafford some sort of help. Eric Ebron finally decided to show up. Uh, you know, he had a nice first half. Listen, I take more from the Bucs. There, there are a lot of issues. There were reports before the game that Jameis Winston and uh, head coach Dirk Cutter aren't getting along, that they've actually been fighting throughout the week. Mike Evans has been a huge first-round bust. He had two catches, 25 yards yesterday. It's been a uh, lot of first-round busts this year. Yeah. Uh, Dirk Cutter went out on a limb and said, Doug Martin's going to be my starter. You can't lose your starting job because of injury. Well, Doug Martin was horrible yesterday. Barber was the betting running back. Uh, if he's out there in fantasy, I'd like to see you pick him up because I think that now going forward, you have to see what this 23-year-old has. All right, and the Bucks have lost three in a row. They are 4-9, and nine, and we were all very high on them going into the year. Very disappointing season for Tampa Bay Bucs and near fans. And the Lions go 7-6. They are not done yet. They're 5-2 and two on the road, which is impressive. That's yeah. not a feat I like to give the Detroit Lions and Stafford. But they look pretty good, and they're staying alive week by week. they, uh, they not their two-game skit as well, Detroit. I think they're out of a playoff picture as of right now. No. They, they are uh, not in, but they are the seven seed, the I believe. Looking in, so. Yeah, they're looking in. Actually, no, they are the eight seed uh, behind Seattle Seahawks, which we'll get into later. I can't wait to get to that game. Um, but first things first, we'll finish at 1 o'clock here. Let's get into our New York Giants. At home, the return of Eli Manning in the starting lineup. He got his start back. Dallas Cowboys ended up winning this game 30-10, to but it was 10-10 going into that fourth quarter before all the wheels fell off of the Giants. It wasn't enough. A beautiful ovation for the two-time Super Bowl MVP when he ran out to the field. Uh, we had Eli Apple tweeting during the game. Des Bryant kicked off a huge 50-yard pass because they had a man named Brandon Dixon who missed a tackle on <laughs> who They just claimed uh, <laughs> yeah, two weeks ago. He's been out of league for three years, yeah. and he was guarding Des Bryant, so I don't know what that was all about. <laughs> But uh, Dallas Cowboys completely uh, turned the wheels off this game in the fourth quarter, 30 to 10. Mike, what you got to say about this game? Uh, the Rod Smith coming out party. <laughs> I mean, you know, we know the Giants struggle against the tight end, and you saw that with a Witten touchdown, but they also struggle against running backs that can catch the ball. And Rod Smith yesterday had five catches, 113 yards, and a touchdown. Looked like uh, nobody was even near him in the vicinity on a few of those. 454 total yards for the Cowboys. This defense, listen, they have injuries. I understand that. Jenkins is out. um, Listen, that, that can't be. Especially now when a defensive coordinator is uh, your interim head coach. I, I need to see more of a Spagnu- uh, Spagnuolo out of that. Just absolutely horrible. Eli did not have a good day either, Vinny. 228 yards. He had one touchdown, two picks. I ask you, listen, my gripe, and we'll get into yours, was that they gave the, uh, the job to Geno Smith, and they let Geno Smith start. I'm not opposed of letting the kid now get a game in, uh, maybe the last game of the season, the streak is over, and just seeing what he has. It's just the fact that it was Geno Smith that really pissed me off. Um, 100% with you, because there was no reason for Geno. If it was Davis Webb, it would at least make sense. It would have been sad, regardless, because Eli's our boy. But, um, yeah, at this point, you kind of got to give Davis Webb a shot. I mean, the Giants aren't going anywhere, and we don't know what the future holds. But now you saw the outrage they had when they benched Eli the first time. What's going to be the outrage to do it again? I mean, our Giant fans are not going to be able to accept the fact that uh, we sucked this year and um, we don't want to see Eli. I know no one wants to see him go, but, I mean, we got to see what we have. Eli's 37 years old. It might come down to that. It's really sad. The streak's over, with. so now that the streak's over, I kinda, I'm kind of with you. I think it's Davis Webb time. I mean, listen, look at, look at who he's throwing to. Uh, you know, Evan Ingram, talent. Shepard, I think, had two catches yesterday. He was non existent. Yeah, but then he's there. throwing to a bunch of no names. So, you know, in part, and the offensive line, uh, you know, listen, not very good all season. Uh, they've had their ups and downs, let's put it like that. You're missing Justin Pugh. I know he's injured. But um, so I don't want to put all the blame on Eli Manning. But you need to see what you have because going into the draft, you're potentially right now the second overall pick. Are you taking a quarterback or not? And you need to know what you have. So that's why, listen, I'm all for it. Yeah, I'm kind of with you there. It's, uh, and, and Wayne Gallman, sorry, Vinny. Uh, listen, I'm impressed by the kid. I really am. He's starting to get a little more touches. He's starting to give with a backseat, and I like what I see out of Wayne Gallman. That's what you got to do. You got to play the kids. Gallman, have, he looked okay. Uh, they couldn't really get too much down on the, on the ground. I don't know if he's the long-term answer over there, but again, we know the offensive line sucks. Eli really doesn't have much to work with. The Giants, the season's just, it's been a mess. It's been an absolute mess, and We'll see you, what happens. you have predicted, though, a 20-point loss? I didn't see that coming. You know what? They <laughs> looked pretty good, 10-10. I didn't think it would be a 20-point loss. The spread was four. I was expecting more along the lines of that. But, um, yeah, fourth quarter, just it all came down on them. And, that, and that's it. They lost again, bottom line. Uh, Vikings versus the Panthers, another big game in the NFC. The Vikings come in with an eight-game winning streak, sitting atop of the NFC. And the Panthers were battling a must-win situation after losing to their division rival, the Saints, the previous week is the Panthers, who came out on top 31-24. It was a big day for Jonathan Stewart, of all people. That's a name you haven't heard all year, a name you've heard for a couple years, but not this year. Uh, The Panthers were up 24-13 going into fourth. The Vikings tied the game at 24-24, but it was Cam Newton's 62-yard run that sealed the deal for the Panthers, and they got the job done at home in a must-win in that tight NFC South. Mike, what's your take on this game? Cam Newton still doesn't look right to me. Um, in the post game, he's wearing the Aladdin hat. I think he looks like an idiot. But during the game, he just doesn't look right to me. 13 for 25, 137 yards. He just, I don't know. Listen, the Vikings defense is very good, especially the very good. But I, I, he's just missing something. The run was awesome. That looked like vintage Cam Newton, just burning by the secondary for his size. It's still so impressive. Um, boy, Case Keenum, another nice day, Vinny. 280 yards, two touchdowns, two picks, fine, whatever. You're playing a good defense on the road. Adam Thielen again showed up. Six catches, 105 touchdowns, and he dropped two touchdowns in the end zone too, Vinny. One he caught that they said was a bobble uh, on the review. The other one flat out hit him in the chest. could have been any bigger day for him. He is officially a wide receiver one heading into the next season. Listen, I take away the Panthers hanging around, but I'm not impressed. Yeah, um, Cam Newton, he did not have a very good day, 137 yards, and one touchdown went on in an interception. I'm surprised the Vikings defense putting up uh, rushing yards that Jonathan Stewart put up. How do they let that happen? I agree with you. I really do. Um, I'm uh, just surprised. I, I expected a bigger game cap uh, in the passing game, and like you said, Jonathan Stewart found holes consistently. And he showed you he still had some miles left on those tires. Yeah, three catches for um, 18 yards for Chris McCaffrey. Not a good day. He probably let down a lot of fantasy owners. But the Panthers, uh, not a lot of people giving them love. Does this win make you like the Panthers anymore? It really doesn't. Uh, listen, on Saturday, I felt it could be a game the Panthers could win and a left-out game for the Vikings. I've actually, listen, I like the Vikings. Just because of uh, you know us being there and that environment, I'm kind of rooting for them. My team is out. You know, I got tested. Uh, I'm kind of pulling for them. Uh, I have no problem with them. Yeah, doing the skull <laughs> uh, I don't have a problem with them losing a, a tough game on the road. And listen, you got to come back from that. You can't always just be winning games and blowing out games. So I'm fine with it. I'm still not sold on the Panthers. Are you? Um, no, I think they're the worst. One of the worst teams in the NFC. But they're finding ways to win. I think they'd be a first-round knockout in any situation here. And I don't know if they're gonna make it because the NFC is pretty tight. They got uh A ways to go still, and I guess we'll see what happens with that. Uh, Let's see what Carolina's next three games are. Uh, Let's see what we got here. I got Carolina. Oh, no, I didn't write it down. All right, well, I know we play the uh, Green Bay Packers next week. That's not going to be an easy game. They have a division game, I think, against Atlanta. And uh, do they play the Saints again? Is a question. Yeah, Bucks, Packers, Falcons. Bucks, Packers, Falcons. There we go. So that was a very tough schedule. They got to the win. Bucks, they got to <laughs> win two of those three if they right. want to have a shot at this game. And that Packer game could be a really big game now. Now that Aaron Rodgers has returned for this team. All right. So that wraps up the Can 1 I o'clock do do right now, is, I'm sorry, is the five seed? So okay. And is the six. You got right. three NFC South teams right. in there, and you got Seattle, who is out. And right. that bring us into our next game, starting up this four o'clock slate. Mike, I can't wait to hear what you have to say oh, during man. this game because there's a lot of shenanigans going on at the end of this game. But let's get a little quick uh, recap of what went down here. The Jags were up 27-10 to 10 after a Lambeau field goal, and then 15 seconds later, Russell Wilson throws a 61-yard touchdown pass. Uh, that was a quick answer. Yeah. Jags put together a five-minute drive, and they get another field goal out of it, 30-17 to 17 Jaguars. 23 seconds later, Russell Wilson throws a 74-yard touchdown pass, Tyler Lockett, that makes it 30-24 with 3.44 left. But the Jaguars were able to kill the clock. The Seahawks never got the ball back. So just when you thought the Jaguars were running away at the game, Russell Wilson magic comes out there again. Um, but then we get into the, the real fun over here in this game, the kneel-down ejections. We had um, uh, Quinton Jefferson and Sheldon Richardson get ejected for attacking the ball, like we've seen many times. We all know Tom Coughlin was furious with the Rutgers that was on Tampa Bay. I forgot his name furious with uh, the players Seattle, like that, that yeah, yes it was Seattle and um that happened here and there was a big fight yep. and there was a lot of flags thrown a lot of hacks thrown a lot of helmets thrown a lot of punches thrown Sheldon Richardson Quentin Jefferson were the ones ejected on the way out of Jefferson <laughs> Jefferson was in the crowd uh, almost in the crowd but he got a lot of stuff thrown at him and he was cursing his head off trying to get into the crowd he was not very happy you're Michael Bennett. Uh, stick up from the locker room, and uh, Seahawks are currently out of the playoffs with this loss. The Jaguars get their ninth win. Mike, what's your whole take on the incident after the game? So after the game, listen, the Michael Bennett also didn't get uh, enough criticism here because he goes right for the center's legs. He goes right down on the on the hike, he goes right below, uh, you know, where you really shouldn't go on the center, almost like an attempt to injure. That also sparked up uh, the whole little brawl thing there. Listen, you got to have some pride. Victory formation is just like an unwritten rule in the NFL. Listen, right. you, you can get hurt so many ways, Vinny. NFL, you saw it yesterday with the two quarterbacks getting knocked out. You don't need that in victory formation. You just don't. Um, the throw in the bottles is unacceptable by the fans. It really is. Jefferson trying to get into the crowd. Listen, if he wants to get in the crowd, he's like six foot five. He could have got into the crowd. And that was more of a. No uh, security know, guards weren't holding him yeah, back. Yeah, that was more of a, a hold me back type situation. That was more of I couldn't get over the yeah, ledge, it was too hot here. here. <laughs> so, you know, that's what you think from that. Sheldon Richardson, you know him from his jet days. He's a scumbag, too. He really is. He's always been like that. He's had issues with the law. He's been suspended by the team for missing meetings. I don't expect anything else from Sheldon Richardson. As far as the game goes, CBS was preaching the entire – or Fox, whoever it was, was preaching the entire time, Russell Wilson in the fourth quarter. Russell Wilson in the fourth quarter. And, I mean, Russell Wilson put on a show. He was a magician in the fourth quarter. Like you said, those two bombs just awesome, really kept them in the game, gave them a chance the whole way. Uh, What I was impressed with, Vinny, Blake Bortles, 268 yards, two touchdowns. Listen, Seattle's banged up, but he still put on a show. He really did. Blake Bortles in my eyes, one of the more underrated quarterbacks this year. I'm not going to go that far. Nine wins. That's more of the defense. I'm not willing for sure. to go that far. For sure. But he's, he's been serviceable for them. Serviceable. He's been better than he was yes, last year. That's sure. sure. Serviceable <laughs> is a very good word. Uh, but he did. He impressed me yesterday. Um, made some really nice throws. Um, the last play, fourth down for Seattle. I believe it's Richardson who gets blatantly tackled. And there's no pass interference call there. Uh, Pete Cattle went on the sideline. Right, side they showed the highlight over and over and over. That's a huge play. It really is. Because Seattle would have still had the ball there. Uh, Jimmy Graham, no catches. What the hell is that? (laughs) All right. Yeah, your alarm's going off, too. (laughs) I should probably get your alarm. (laughs) Going with the uh, technical difficulties. That's his alarm to go watch uh, hockey fights throughout the show. Um, Vinny, my other takeaway here is 401 yards for Seattle, 424 yards for Jacksonville. Are you surprised that, listen, Jacksonville played a good game defensively? They had a couple picks. Are you surprised that they gave up that many yards and that many points at home? I guess I am because, I mean, if you take away the two huge uh, passes by uh, Wilson there, then it's your average game yardage. So there was a, but the fact that they gave up two big bombs like that, uh, those are immediate responses. And uh, is Russell Wilson, he definitely has a case, and he's definitely qualified for it. He's definitely a candidate. Is he the MVP of the NFL? No, I think it's going to be Tom Brady, especially with the Wentz injury. Now, I would have had Wentz above Russell Wilson. What uh, Russell Wilson is doing is awesome. It's amazing. Uh, He's elevated his game. I forget the number, but they said he accounts for like 75% of his team's yards, which is just ridiculous. I think it's even higher. Those are the numbers more than his actual basic uh, yardage, completion percentage touchdowns that really weighs in his case for the MVP. Right. And um, I don't know if that's going to go down, but, hey, they got to make the playoffs first in Seattle. You are the seventh seed, and I'm sorry, only six teams make the playoffs. So um, I want to get back to that um, attacking of the ball on the kneel down. Do you think that's dirty, or do you think that's our team never fighting because we want to try to win this game? Because I'm kind of with you. I think it's the unwritten rule you don't do that, especially seeing how Tom Coughlin felt about it. I'm obviously going to be favoring on his side about it. I think it becomes a dirty thing. You see fights like this at the end of the game whenever somebody tries to do that. It is so dirty, and um, you know what really impressed me, too? was Leonard Fournette got really heated, Vinny. And he, this is a rookie. This is a guy that has been suspended by the team for a game for missing a, the team photo, supposedly. And for uh, just to see him sticking up for his teammates as a rookie and, and going after Michael Bennett, going after Sheldon Richardson, that really uh, impressed me. And that showed you, hey, there's some unity in that locker room. And sometimes, especially in baseball, there's that bench-clearing brawl that kind of brings it all together when right. you don't want to run here. And listen, 9-4, uh, and four, you don't really need to go on a run but it wouldn't shock me if you, you know, listen, look how close they are defending each other. Your rookie star running back is ready to mix it up. Listen, I I, I bought into Jacksonville, not because Tom Coughlin is there. Uh, you know, that's one reason. The, the young defense, the hungry defense, and like you said, the serviceable quarterback. And Leonard Fournette uh, had 100 yards on the ground there. What would you think of, uh, he's sticking up for his teammates? Michael Bennett was sticking up for his teammate. <laughs> Michael Bennett was one of the reasons this whole thing started. He immediately dropped down and went for the center's ankles and knees, and uh, he is not innocent in this at all. He didn't stick up for anybody. And, Except for Quentin Jefferson. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and uh, for Roger Goodell, months ago when the whole police incident came out to say that Michael Bennett is one of the best players that the NFL has to offer, he might want to go take a look at that statement because he looks like an idiot now. And Michael Bennett should face a fine for what he did yesterday. I agree with you, honestly. It was a little ugly incident over there. I was kind of wanted, I thought we were going to see the Malice in the Palace part two over there with him I tried to go in there. too. I really did. And I would not want to get in the way of uh, an angry Quentin Jefferson. He is a big, big dude. But the Jacksonville Jaguars, they have nine wins. They are the third seed in the AFC. Did you see Joe Thomas's tweet today? Uh, it was pretty interesting. I did not know what he said. Joe Thomas pretty much called out uh, Quentin Richardson said, I'm a man. Um, I have to protect myself and uh, all this stuff. And Joe Thomas pretty much called him out for it. Uh, maybe Goon can look on Joe Thomas' Twitter, just retweet it to ours. Pretty much said that uh, Quentin was being a baby and that, that wasn't being a man. And there were some um, there were some athletes that uh, also retweeted that Joe Thomas statement. So I don't know if everyone's in favor of, of Jefferson's uh, actions there. I'm not either. You are just a man like everybody else, but you are a professional. You exactly. need to be a professional, exactly. and you can't be doing that. Uh, these people who look up to you. And uh, you can't be doing that. It's just bottom line, You're a pro. you got to be a bigger man. It was a dream. Dude, do you have it there? Get over it. Can you read uh, exactly what it says to us? It says, well, the original quote is, I'm not going to let anyone disrespect me, throw beer on me. Jefferson said, just because I'm playing football, I'm still a human being. I'm still a man. Joe Thomas said, saying, I'm, I'm a man, and I'm not going to let someone disrespect me is the most childish and overplayed cliche in our society. What being a man really means is having the discipline to look someone in the eye, control your erosions, and walk away. So that's pretty powerful stuff, Vinny, and pretty, you know, that's calling out type stuff, uh, you know, from Joe Thomas. I like that, and that's been one of the more respected men in the league, even though he plays for the Cleveland Browns. Unfortunately, <laughs> he is one of the many injuries the NFL has seen as quarterbacks just keep going down and down. Let's get into another quarterback who went down, Josh McCown. Yes. Jets Broncos, the Broncos coming in there. They snapped their 8 game losing streak. And the Jets lost McCown for the year. He is an old man. We wonder if he will be back. 20-0 shutout. They put Bryce Petty in. He proved that he still sucks. The Denver <laughs> defense allowed 100 total yeah. yards, which is crazy. And the Jets had six first downs. Is it Christian Hackenberg time for the Jets? They said today it's going to be Bryce Petty, and Hackenberg will serve as the backup. I don't so, understand um, that. It was a second-round pick in exactly. 2016, and they're just not using the kid. That's pretty much a waste of a second-round pick, a very valuable pick in the NFL. But um, – what do you take from this? Is Josh McCown ever going to come back and play in the NFL again? Oh, yeah, I think so. I think he showed you – listen, the Jets were not supposed to be a very good team. And I think he showed you something. He really did. He developed a nice chemistry with Anderson, uh, Kirst, uh even Austin Sparrow-Jenkins. McCown was serviceable in fantasy. He had a pretty good year. He wasn't the problem. Uh, what I take away from this is Chris Harris Jr.'s stupidity, uh, his tweet after the game, saying that I must be the least targeted cornerback in the NFL – I don't know if he knows his record, Vinny, but uh, <laughs> I wouldn't be tweeting stupid comments like that with his record and the way they've played this season. Yeah, I agree 100%. I don't see why the Jets should be going to Bryce Petty because he is not good. <laughs> he's shown that over and over again, and uh, they got to see what they do at Hackenberg. I think he's a second-round pick. You can't just have this guy sitting on the bench. Now It's the time to put him in. But, yeah, I think McCown has shown a lot that he is a good quarterback and he can win games because, like you said, this Jet team had no expectations. They had five wins, and you could really put that all on the back of Josh McCown. Completely agree with you. I really do. And I'm, I completely agree with you on the Hackenberg thing, too. I really do also. I feel like protecting this kid for so long for no reason – Send him out there and see what he has. But you know what? All I heard last year is he's not ready. He's not ready. Heard maybe he's still not ready because maybe he's just not that good. I then, didn't think he was all that great in Penn State. Then that's a terrible pick. Then then that, that really is. is. It's a terrible pick, and it's time to admit your terrible pick <laughs> and move on. And it's a terrible pick if you don't use him because that was a second-round pick. And let's move on to our next game. The 49ers led by... Jimmy Garoppolo (laughs) versus the Houston Texans. The big takeaway in this game is the concussion of uh, Tom Savage, who looked like Whitey from Eight Crazy Nights, one of his seizures over there, wigging out. It was an ugly scene. Somehow he got his ass back in that game and and played not well. I don't know what he was seeing, but I don't know why he was even in that game. Crazy will go over the concussion protocol shortly. But it was a monster day for DeAndre Hopkins, who had 17 targets. Uh, 11 receptions 149 yards and two touchdowns. My boy TJ Yates from North Carolina came in, but uh, it was all about Jimmy G and the 49ers. They are now 2 and 0 with Jimmy Garoppolo and they won 3 of the last 4 games. The next three games for San Francisco is Tennessee, Jacksonville and the Rams. Do you think they could win uh two one. of the three games no, there? One. I, I think I'll tell you what, I'm big on the 49ers to beat the t- uh, Titans. Oh, I agree. That's <laughs> the one. And we'll get into that after we we'll do Titans-Cardinals. But uh, let's, t- let's get your take on this, Mike. Uh, Tom Savage, Jimmy G, what you, th- what's, what you got on this? The Savage thing was one of the worst things I've seen on a football field. Uh, <laughs> him seizing in the end zone, it <laughs> looks like. Uh, then trying to come back, spitting a blood. I mean, this is the definition of why the NFL has put all these extra protocols in place. And he should not even have been allowed on the sidelines, uh, allowed to put his helmet back on. I mean, this, it was terrible to watch. Uh, Vinny, the feel-good story. Marquise Goodwin, as we mentioned earlier in the year, he, he lost his child. Him and his wife, just a, a terrible story. The last few weeks, he's really emerged as the number one target for Jimmy Garoppolo. He had six catches, 106 yards yesterday. A nice feel-good story. Listen, I've been mentioning it all year too. I like what John Lynch did with his 49ers team, going to get Garoppolo, the trade back with the Bears when uh, you know with the Bears took Trubisky. He got two picks there. Reuben Foster and um, the Solomon Thomas. So I think the 49ers are really starting to go in a nice direction. And it's nice to see. And Jimmy G is probably their quarterback. Cause he looked good again. He threw for over 300 yards, no interceptions, and a touchdown, 20 for 33. Different team with, led by Jimmy G. And sometimes that's all it takes. We all know the quarterback is the most important position in the NFL. If Savage is cleared, do you even go back to Savage? Because uh, T.J. Yates was pretty good. T.J. Yates is my boy, and he's also changed his number three times. <laughs> I don't think Tom Savage is good. T.J. Yates has started a playoff game, so he's been in the league more. I, just, I think he's better than Savage, not by much. But um, bottom line is he threw the ball to DeAndre Hopkins, and if you big can do that, you have a say in coming in, uh, coming into the football game. Goon's alarm making a big time uh, appearance on the show tonight. <laughs> Maybe you should turn it off because it's going off again and again. Um, but let's get into our next game: those Tennessee Titans, Mike's Titans. Oh God, your loving Titans who are eight and five, somehow still in the playoffs after a 12 to seven loss to the Arizona Cardinals. Blaine Gabbert gets the W. Uh, Phil Dawson shined in this game because he put up all 12 of the Car- Arizona Cardinals points in this one. Um, but what is going on with Marcus Mariota? 16-31, for 159 yards, two picks, no touchdowns. This is a guy who you thought was going to be a top-five fantasy quarterback. It was. It, he absolutely was. Just from what I saw last year, uh, him in the red zone, he doesn't have the ball or his ability to run. Uh, now, yesterday, they're saying he has a knee injury also. Um, Marcus Mariota taking a huge step backwards. We tweeted it. Even besides the injuries, I'm not seeing enough even as a, as a pocket passer. 159 yards, two picks, they were bad interceptions also. They had no one game yesterday. The one thing that I saw, a bright spot from Tennessee, they had eight sacks. They got to the quarterback yesterday. The defense did their job. Uh, like you said, only field goals, so that's an impressive thing for the Titans, who are still uh, eight wins, eight wins, still in a playoff spot. Um, the takeaway I have here from the Cardinals, listen, Blaine Gabbert, he, he seems to just uh, – You know, not go away. And Larry Fitzgerald (laughs) broke another record yesterday. He's moving up slowly in that. Well, actually, not even slowly. He's moving up quickly in that uh, total yards. Uh, A surefire first ballot Hall of Famer, a good guy in the NFL. Uh, Those are the only takeaways. It was an ugly game. Yeah, absolutely. Congratulations, Larry Fitzgerald. He passed my favorite wide receiver of all time, Randy Moss, on the all-time receiving list. He only trails Terrell Owens and Jerry Rice. That is some company. Great guy. Very happy for him. But uh let's get into these Tennessee Titans who are eight and five and somehow holding on. Well somehow eight and five, but they are now the number one wild card in the AFC. And this is a pretty interesting picture going on in the AFC wild card. Tennessee is eight and five, number one, but Buffalo, Baltimore, and Chargers are all seven and six. So it's gonna be a pretty interesting the race Chargers down there here. To me. We'll get into that game. That they're, they're the best team out of that little bunch. They and really are. It was a tough loss for Baltimore, we'll get into them soon, but they uh just themselves out of the playoffs with their loss here. And um, that was a – they could have pulled that game from the Steelers. They might have been able to get in the playoffs now. They might have to win out because this is going to be tight here. The Buffalo Bills, they are the current sixth seed. Yep. The Chargers are on a roll. They're playing great. Yep. Seven and six. We'll get into them in a second. And then um, Titans next three, Vinny, at 49ers versus the Rams versus the Jaguars. They could lose all three if you ask me. I agree with you. I really do. And that well. will put them at eight and eight, which I think best represents them. 500 team. I agree. I really do. I, they have not shown me anything. And they're going to need Mark Mario to look like the that he was last year, or maybe even in Oregon, if they're going to have a shot at uh, making the playoffs here. Because that is a tough stretch there. Because the 49ers are a team to be reckoned with now, my friend. And they did the Giants a big favor by getting another W over them. Just need the Browns now. <laughs> now we just need somebody help out these Browns. Please, please. <laughs> Redskins and Chargers, Phillip Rivers, another big day over there. Uh, The Chargers completely ran away with this game, all from the get-go, straight out of the get-go, only six points offensively for the Redskins, very surprisingly because that's a big take here. The Chargers' defense won this game. As much as they got the 30 points, it was a trash touchdown in the fourth for the Redskins. Freeland returned there. Yep. Other than that, it was six offensive points for the Redskins. The Chargers came out firing. Melvin Gordon, 78 yards on the touchdown. Tyrell Williams and Keenan Allen, big days over there. The Chargers are continuing the roll. They look pretty good over there. The L.A. Chargers at the least seating in the NFL. <laughs> uh, Phillip Rivers is, might be the hottest quarterback in the NFL right now the past few weeks. Keenan Allen went over 100 yards again. I believe four in a row. The defense with Joey Bosa, Casey Hayward, they're a very good team. Hunter Henry's, as a, you know, he's taking that role from Antonio Gates now. That's Hunter Henry's job. You were very big on the Redskins uh, going into the week. I think you had them in your confidence pick. I you you like them to go over 20 points uh, as a team total. What are you seeing out of them? Because I'm seeing a team that they look like they've checked out. I agree. I don't know what to expect from them because one week they could put up points best. I just like the Redskins when they're underdogs, they cover their spread – because their offense can put up points. They couldn't do it against the Chargers on the road. And um, I don't know what's going on over there. I did not think the Chargers would be that kind of a team. And we mentioned it all the time. If it wasn't for the kicking. Right. They could have been a lot of team, They could have been running away the AFC West right now. Goon's, uh, Goon's buddy, uh, Young Ho Kim, cost them a game. So they could easily have another win, possibly two. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, Keenan Allen, another game over 100 yards. He really makes the case for being one of the top receivers in the football. I and mean, I don't think he gets get enough love over there. I completely agree with you. Uh, Josh Dawson was someone I was very high on. He only had three catches, 34 yards. I was always big on the Horn Frog there. I thought he'd break out. He's in my DraftKings lineup. Not the case. Uh, the Redskins are unpredictable. That's the bottom line. And they're not a good team. That's why they lost the way they lost. And that's why the record is the way the record is. So the Redskins are not making the playoffs. Thank God. Next year, yes or no? I don't know. I don't think they're going to pay him. I don't think they're going to pay him. The question is, who is? Because I think somebody will. Somebody will. Uh, not much money the Redskins can give him, but, no, but, but he's going to get, get paid by somebody. Either. I agree. And uh, I don't blame the Redskins for that. He hasn't won them anything. So, it's time to move on. And we're going to move on to Sunday Night Football, which is a thrilling game. The Ravens and the Steelers. Always, always, always a fun game. Big, busy meant business. 506 yards. Crazy, crazy, crazy. The fourth quarter of this game was crazy. The officiating was crazy. Flags all over the place. You knew they were going to be a little tight after the Steeler-Bengal game. Uh, a lot of love for Shazier. But I want to get into the fourth quarter real quick because it was a wild, wild, wild series of events going on here. Uh, fourth quarter, the Ravens are up 31-20, to and they held Pittsburgh to a 24-yard field goal, red zone stand. Ravens go three and out. Big Ben, uh, he hits Roselle Nick for a touchdown. Two conversions failed after a, f- a penalty. <laughs> Ravens score on a Javarius Allen rushing touchdown right after. 644 left. 38-29 Ravens. Steelers score on a Bell rushing touchdown with 39 left. 38-36. Ravens still up. The Ravens go three and now Flacco misses the slant. The clock stops. The Steelers get the ball back. Two huge third-down conversions by Big Ben. Third and thirteen. Connects with Jesse James. Third and five. He connects with who else? Antonio Brown downfield, right into field goal range. Chris Boswell, 46-yard field goal. He has hit. Four of the last five games, he has hit the game-winning field goal for the Pittsburgh Steelers. Bozzi's been money. Mike, Raven Steelers, what'd you think? Listen, I think Antonio Brown, somebody obviously has to give him the ball. He's a legitimate candidate for MVP also, Vinny. I think he certainly made a case after last night. He, he just continues to get open, continues to find space. And listen, there's always that debate in the you know, with fantasy football. Who's uh, your one receiver, one? Who's, you know, 1A, 1B? He is a clear one, and everybody else is, too. Um, It's very, very obvious now. And Antonio Brown, like you said, huge game. Le'Veon Bell, three touchdowns. Really didn't get anything going on the ground. He was able to find the end zone three times, two rushing, one receiving. Uh, I take away Alex Collins, a really breakout the last couple weeks for the Ravens here. They established the run. He had two touchdowns. Buck Allen, like you said, had another touchdown. I'm sorry, Collins had one. Buck Allen had two. Uh, So they ran the ball very effectively against the Steelers. You think uh, Seattle's missing Alex Collins because they had him and let him go. So uh, to me, just a a huge game, 545 total yards for the Steelers, sets up next week for Steelers-Patriots. And that is obviously the money-making game of next week. Steelers and Patriots, that's probably going to win home field advantage in the AFC. We all know it's really going to come down to these two teams unless you really believe in Blake Bortles' Jaguars, unless you believe in Mariota, unless you believe in Nate Peterman. A lot of ugly quarterback names in that AFC. But what an awesome game it was last night. Once again, tight, tight, tight. Uh, I went against the rule. I said everyone should go with the Steelers. I think they were finally going to win. They did. They didn't cover, and the four points was not enough. I actually saw it jump up to six. At close. Wow. And um, the Ravens, they let this game slip away. And they couldn't get it done when it mattered. The three and outs killed them in the fourth quarter. The, I think the, it was 14-0 Steelers. The Steelers the game, too, wasn't it? Yeah, it was. It was. It was. The it was Steelers. Like it should be a runaway. The Steelers, uh, they blew an 11-point lead in the fourth. The Steelers were unstoppable in the fourth quarter. They got it done. Big busy. Still getting it done. 500 yards. I believe he has the most 500-yard games in NFL history. I'll Are you impressed with the Ravens at all? Because, listen, they showed me something last night. I felt the most inconsistent team that I've seen, them and the Falcons, they they showed me something last night. Only if they were to win, they won the game. I would think so, but I don't think they're going to go anywhere now. Uh, it's gonna it's gonna be tight for them. It's not going to be easy. We mentioned the race, and I think that loss is going to pay big time dividends in that uh, whole entire race. And that wraps up week fourteen NFL. It was a great one, oh, an absolutely. absolute great week of football. Uh, I enjoyed it, and that was the fantasy football playoffs. Uh, We got a call earlier about it. Anytime you guys need fans, you know, go to Big Mike because he's got your back. We're going to jump right back into baseball because, hey, the Yankees made a big-time move, and it became very official today. We saw Giancarlo stand in pinstripes, right, Jim? We did. We sure did, and he looked damn good in them. And uh, the trade is the most outrageous trade I've ever seen in my life. Derek Jeter getting two prospects, not even the top prospects in the Yankees system, and Starlin Castro, and he's getting questioned. He didn't go to the meetings today. Uh, What's your whole fallout? Can you believe it's real? All right, Vinny. That brings us into, surprisingly, this week's rant is on the Miami Marlins. Within the last week, we've seen the Miami Marlins trade two All-Stars, Dee Gordon and Giancarlo Stanton, and the return of Starling Castro, to his credit was an All-Star last season, and prospects. Prospects that are not of the talent caliber for quite possibly trading the face of your franchise. Now, when Jeter bought the team, he made it known. He was going to cut payroll and rebuild. Keep in mind that at the same time, you have to be acquiring good pieces to build around. The Marlins only finished last season 77-85. Heading into opening day, their payroll was the 20th highest in baseball, which isn't that high. In the Gordon trade, Miami acquired pitcher Nick Neidhart, who was a 2015 second-round pick. Recently, scouts were down on him as his fastball was only topping out at 90 miles an hour. Also in the trade, a 19-year-old shortstop, Chris Torres, who's a career two forty-eight hitter in the minors. In the Stanton trade, the Marlins acquired a good prospect, not great, in pitcher Jorge Guzman. He uh, profiles similar to Luis Severino, fastball will hit 100 miles an hour. The second prospect in that deal, Jose Devers, Red Sox top prospect, Rafael Devers' cousin. Unfortunately for Marlins fans, this kid projects to be much different, as he only hit 245 last season in the minors. Out of the five prospects they acquired, Vinny, none were in MLB's top 100 prospect list. You can argue that trading Stanton is bigger than trading Miggy. Mickey, in five years as a Marlin hit 313, 138 home runs, and 523 RBIs. Stanton in his eight years as a Marlin hit 268, 267 runs, and 672 RBI. Last season, the Marlins averaged the third-worst home attendance, and I don't see that improving anytime soon. And that's crazy. They had the third-worst attendance, and Giancarlo Stanton hit 59 home runs. Right. You wouldn't think uh, someone chasing Babe Ruth. You don't see that third anymore today thing. in uh, <laughs> the non-steroid era. But um, yeah, so Derek Jeter, GM, you liking his moves? No, <laughs> yeah. I, I don't. <laughs> and, and I think Stanton yes. showed you that first. So Ken Roosevelt on Twitter before posted Marlins pushing Ozuna, telling teams he would be easier to acquire at lower acquisition costs. And Yellow. two years of control for Ozuna, popping Yeller, was trying to try move both. And that's pretty crazy because uh, last year they had one of the more fun lineups in the top. Yes. They had. Um, obviously Steve Gordon, uh, Ozuna, who's a great player, real yellow, great who's player, a, a very and good Justin catch-up. Moore, too. Yes, they had a really nice lineup, and it looks like they're looking at a completely clean house and start over. But how are they going to do that when they're not getting the prospects? That are, they're not getting the best prospects. They should be for guys a big name like Giancarlo Stanton. Not one of those prospects is on MLB's top 100. That is a huge problem. These are kids that are mo- – if you're not on the top 100, you're most likely uh, – the, the cha- I shouldn't say most likely. The odds are against you to succeed in Major League Baseball. It looks like they're just trying to strike gold, and usually that doesn't pan out because, for the most part, you're right about the prospects. Oh, this is a top-ten prospect. Usually, they turn out to be a good price. Right. Usually, that's how it goes down. But uh, that, it's going to be interesting. Uh, they're going to have nobody in that stadium because uh, they couldn't – if they weren't selling out last year with that lineup and Giancarlo doing what Giancarlo was doing, they had the NLMVP. I mean, I don't know what's going to happen. But in terms of Derek Jeter and this trade, Giancarlo had all the pull in this. And the no trade clause, he had the waive it. He pretty much gave them no option to get anything in return. But I still find that hard to believe they couldn't get something better. I agree with you, especially because the trade with the Giants was leaked. And it was Joe Panic, who uh, you could say is equal to Starling Castro. Let's call that equal. Sure. Pr- prospects that they were getting back were considerably better. Christian Arroyo uh, was called up last season, and he was a top-hundred prospect. He was considered the Giants' second-best prospect, uh, a very good-hitting third baseman who could also play a little bit of outfield. So immediately, that trade was better. You heard rumors for Stanton with the Cardinals that it was going to be um, Michael Waka and um, alacantra their top-pitching prospect, for the Yankees to pull off this trade and to give up basically no one. Call it what it is, basically no one. Uh, it is a... It's like the Chris Paul trade in the NBA. Major League Baseball should have stepped in here and said, we can't let this happen. We're already not getting fans to the game. They're sure as hell not going to go now. And at the conference today, you saw Stanton call out Miami and said, those fans are just going to have to kind of don't give up. That's pretty much what he said. Don't give up. It's going to be tough for the next few years. Their farm system sucks. It's one of the worst in baseball. They're not bringing back good pieces, and they're going to trade every MLB-ready talent that they have. And my advice for Derek going forward because – the whole, the whole industry, all happen. Uh, when you get someone in a contract like that, a, have the money because you didn't have it for Giancarlo, and that's what made you have to trade him. B, don't give him a no-trade clause so you can get the prospects you need. And that's what really screwed the Marlins here. I can't see this team getting good anytime soon. I'm pulling for them. They're officially my second favorite baseball team now. The GM is Derek Jeter, but I, I don't see what's happening there. But uh, let's get to your Mets here. Oh, the okay. Mets got to have an answer, right? They got a time, right? They, they got a time? <laughs> no, no, you ain't running away from this one, Big no, Mike. All right. the, the Mets have to answer this big-time back-paging news. Because the Yankees, you know, they just got this big-time bat. What are the Mets trying to do? Because it looks like they're actually trying to dump the dark knight, Matt Harvey. Yeah, so the rumors were Harvey to the Orioles for a reliever, either Brad Brock or uh, Darren O'Day. Both very good relievers. Brock only has a year left for arbitration, just like Harvey. So it kind of makes sense from both teams from a financial standpoint. And then the news today that John Heyman said that they're looking at Texas for Jerickson Profar, who was once a top prospect, I believe, back in 2012. Um, Now he's more of a doesn't make the major league roster, gets called off when there's an injury and fills in and can play any position. More of a super utility. He reminds me of a a Joe McEwing, if you want to, you know, get uh, old Met fans will remember Super Joe. Um, I don't know what they're doing. And then you have, you know, yesterday reporters asking Sandy Alderson, well, why didn't you make a, you know, a push for for Stanton? He would have never came here. But at least make the phone call. At least put an offer on the table. At least make it known to the media. Hey, we're involved. We're trying to get him back here, too. And Sandy Alderson with a straight face says, well, we have Brandon Nimmo out there. that runs. Brandon Nimmo has nine career home runs. And we have Brandon Nimmo out there. That was absolutely laugh-out-loud funny. Even if he was being sarcastic, you cannot say something that's disrespectful to Nimmo if you're being sarcastic. Uh, of course sarcastic. who was just saying at the holiday party. And he was drafted a long time ago. I don't think he's ever going to pan out to be a good player. The Mets are in some I trouble I will say, right now. to his defense, they really have given him a fair shot. And I'd like to see them. Last season, they started to a little bit. Is a kid that can get on base. He can play a nice defense. You saw him in the World Baseball Classic. Really, uh, you know, elevated his game. And I would be fine going into the season as the fourth outfielder if it was him and Juan Lagarres. The players they're looking at, I'm sorry, Met fans, they're not looking at anybody good. Ian Kisler's name has come up, who's like three, 35 years old now. Brad Brock down on O'Day. They're set on some sort of bullpen. And listen, if you trade Matt Harvey, who did not have a good season last season no, no. at all, he was horrendous. He was almost must watch because he was that bad. <laughs> that leaves you even at pitching very, very thin. The Bartolo Colon leaving and all the innings, C8, and now Harvey. I mean, they're going to have to bring in some sort of pitch then. And what do you think the market really is for Matt Harvey? I mean, the average Met fan is going to want a lot. There's a mar- there is, but there is a market for him because his numbers before last season are very good. Um, and he's, he's still young. You're, yes, 28 years old, I believe, 27, 28 years old. Uh, he still has that rookie contract, arbitration eligible. Um, most teams feel, hey, with our pitching coach, we could turn him around. The velocity started to come back last year. It was really a location thing. Listen, I think a lot of teams are looking to buy low on him. He has a year left. If it doesn't pan out, it is so low risk. It'll just be what you have to give back. And then we had two names. This is a very random news. Uh, the Modern Error Committee has put two names into yeah. the Baseball Hall of Fame, Jack Morris and Alan Trammell. Uh, you usually don't hear about the Hall of Fame talk out of nowhere. I never heard of the Modern Error Committee. Have you? I haven't either. Uh, listen, I know a lot of people have been polling for Jack Morris for years now. So, uh, you know, good for them that he got in. Um just very random winter meetings going on. I'm sure that's just how it happened. I mean, think it's good for them, but just very random, like you said. And uh, Jack Morris, I had to look up his numbers because there's a big name out there on the surface, uh, Yankee fans, a pitcher who we all want to compare to. So let's take a look at Jack Morris's numbers, and then I'm going to get into a man named Mike Moose Musina. And I think Jack Morris is only getting in due to World Series success. Mike, you tell me what you think. Win-loss record, 254 wins, 186 losses, 390 earned run average. 2478 strikeouts, but he is a four-time World Series champion. Mike Bucina, 270 wins, 153 losses, higher and lower, 368 ERA lower, and I uh, just lost it. There we go. 2,813 strikeouts, but a goose egg for World Series rings. Yeah, it clearly has to be the rings with Jack Morris. I also think it's a popularity game too, Vinny. I mean, uh, look at Albert Bell. Albert Bell is not in. Albert Bell, um, you know, the whole steroid thing completely off the table. Albert Bell was an absolute monster, and, uh, you know, he just did not get along with the writers and was horrible with the media. Just seems like, you know, listen, Jack Morris, he always had writers lobbying for him, always on Twitter. So I think it was more of that thing. But, you know, you make a good point. If you're going to put Jack Morris in his 3.90 ERA, how does Mike Messina then not get in? Yeah, no, I mean, if you're going to really weigh the rings, that's the only thing you could really take off Messina's career. And he's been in the World Series before. He's played in big games. But um, it's, it's going to be interesting to see. Um, Yusina has been on there a couple of years now. I don't think he's going to get in. But you know what? There's got to come a time where you can't be holding people to the 300 win anymore because every day's modern pitcher besides maybe Clayton Kershaw is not going to get 300 wins. You. So you've got to start lowering that bar for pitchers now until probably like 250, I would say. I agree with you. It's going to be something that uh, is very rare now in baseball just because of everything you've seen with the Tommy John injury. So uh, just something you're not going to see. And if you know, when Kershaw does get there, it's going to be uh, extra special. Yeah, absolutely. And now I want to get into it. It's looking, I see some pretty good sources of Ronda Rousey going into the (laughs) WWE. And I think it's hilarious that she's going over there because she was crying her eyeballs out on Ellen about her losses and how much they meant to her. I think she lost those fights because she got too carried away into the celebrity. And after two losses, after winning all her fights, she goes 12-2, and back-to-back losses, and then she just melts down. She's an absolute meltdown. Um, what do you think of her going to WWE? What's the difference between Ronda Rousey going on TV and having a meltdown and Alex Rodriguez going on Mike Francesa and having a meltdown? Your boy, Alex Rodriguez, had the same meltdown. He's now on Shark Tank. He's on ESPN College Bowl. Well, it's the same thing, Vinny. They're chasing the money. They're chasing the you know where the money is. They're chasing Hollywood, the media, the movies, the TV shows. It's the exact same thing. She came from Strike Force and she made the women's division in UFC. And if she's going to get paid now to go wrestle girls that couldn't hang with her in a, in a real ring or a real fight, good for her. Yeah, she started the division, but she couldn't finish it once they got talent in there, and it's too bad. We got down to our 30 seconds here. I want to give a big shout out to the Duke Blue Devils losing on Saturday to the Boston College uh, Golden Eagles over there. Down goes Duke; they have fallen to number five. Arizona State, shout out to you, Rob. They jumped into the top five. So how do you like that? College basketball every Saturday. It's a fun time of the year. I can't wait till we get to March Madness. NBA and NHL we'll get into on Saturday. I will be in Miami. Thank you for listening, everybody. We out of here. Good night, everybody. Check out our website at www.overthetopsportshow.com. Also, follow us on Twitter at Over Top Sport no S, and on Instagram at Over Top Sports Show.